Welcome back to What Happens Next, the podcast that examines some of the biggest challenges facing our world and asks the experts what will happen if we don't change and what can we do to create a better future. I'm Dr. Susan Carland. Keep listening to find out what happens next. Hello and welcome to What Happens Next. I'm Dr. Susan Carland. Since we're currently in between seasons, we thought we'd bring you two special bonus episodes of the podcast. We're doing something a little bit different this time. We're going to explore a topic through the eyes of some students. This year, as part of World Pride, Sydney hosted the largest LGBTIQA human rights conference ever to be held in the Southern Hemisphere. In our last episode, we met three student delegates who were chosen to attend the conference. This week, we pick up from where we left off and find out what they discovered on their journey to Sydney. Welcome to What Happens Next. This is part two of A Pride Open Road. largest LGBTQIA plus human rights conference ever to be held anywhere in the world. The rainbow-coloured explosion of liberated energy and excitement throughout this city has been extraordinary. A first for us in the Southern Hemisphere, and one during which we hope to reinforce our commitment to equality and to inclusion. Too many countries, LGBTQIA plus people experience targeted persecution and discrimination. As a community, we know what it feels like to have our lives up for public debate. We have to do what we can to shape it for the better for all of us. So I wish you the very best for your conference and for a happy World Pride. Hi everyone, it's Thanura and welcome back to episode two of A Pride Open Road, a story following three students and our journey to Sydney for the World Pride 23 Human Rights Conference. Yeah. It's like 3.45 and there's a lot of traffic for Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Like As we battled the unusually heavy traffic on a Tuesday night to the airport, we were filled with the anticipation and excitement of what we're about to take part in the following days. Good. Really looking forward to it. I'm excited to see all the um, different ones. While we're super excited to attend Sydney for the celebrations and the Human Rights Conference, we have to acknowledge the work and the effort that our queer elders put in and the early activists in Australia that led to this growing movement and rights for LGBTQIA plus people in this country. The movement was started by a group known as the 78ers. Here's legal expert and longtime advocate Professor Paula Gerber, who you met in our previous episode, to tell us more. So, uh, the movement in Australia we often pinpoint to 1978, which was when uh, LGBTIQ people decided that really they'd had enough of being treated uh, as criminals by the police and by politicians, and, and so they came out of the pubs and bars and they protested on the streets. Hey, 
happened and they got arrested and for many of them their lives were ruined because the media um, publicized their names all through the all through the press families were ruined people lost their jobs but it started a movement it galvanized people the people united will never be defeated People often talk about Stonewall, which was the sort of equivalent in New York, and that's really got a global uh, reputation. You know, you say Stonewall, everyone knows about the Stonewall riots in New York. The 78ers, they were, that was our Stonewall of our time. Good evening everyone, Qantas Flight 476 to Sydney is now ready for premium boarding. We would like to invite business class customers, Qantas and Emirates. Have either of you had a look at the agenda for the conference yet? I have, most definitely, and there was like a kickboxing one and I want to kick a foam mat. That's what I'm looking forward to. Sounds good, very exciting. Yeah, I had a bit of a, a browse through, there's a lot of different options. We've got three in each block, so it's going to be difficult to choose. Complimentary headsets are available as you pass through the gate. Please have your boarding pass ready. Thank you. I think it's time for us to go. Let's go. <laughs> no, I think we're staying here. <laughs> <laughs> political leaders and uh, powerful people attending this conference because we are trying to educate them to open their minds and to learn from each other. Until we are counted, we will remain invisible and I believe it's time to count us in. And I think that um, having these sort of dialogues, having them present at these dialogues, I mean that they go back home with a a new sense of what might be possible. Thank you, dear friends, for your extraordinary work. I'm sitting here in the main theatre of the conference. We've just had our opening addresses from government officials, UN advocates and delegates, and Penny Wong is currently giving her address as well. I'm excited to head down to the foyer for morning tea and meet up with the rest of my crew to see what our plan of attack is for the rest of the day. Here we are on the first day of the conference, which is very exciting. Uh, what's everyone thinking of going to first? Like, there's so many different talks that are so interesting. Different talks from each of the streams that I really want to see, but I just don't know if I'm going to be able to get to all of them. I'm really keen to see the digital security um, and LGBTQ rights in Asia. Yeah, I think there's just such interesting and exciting like ideas all around. I'm going to have a look at Realising Right to Health, I think. Um, and see what's there and then we'll see how the um oh yeah and then there's a there was one in the afternoon about um resisting racism and um erasure of able um like disabled people so i think that's also a really good opportunity to take make the most of the different perspectives as well The opportunity for the three of us to come to Sydney for this event was initiated and supported by Monash University's Deputy Vice-Chancellor of Education and Senior Vice President, Professor Sharon Pickering. 
I'd like to think Monash has a really proud tradition in relation to human rights and we're really aware that world pride uh, is on the mind of our collective student body and as a university we want to be able to support them to have a voice in the big conversations that are shaping not just the world but their experience of that world and so therefore to be able to support our students to go and attend World Pride and in particular the Human Rights Conference there seems like a really natural extension of the kind of university Monash is but also to support students in identifying what really matters to them and what they want to participate in. I hope the experience for our students uh, inspires them. I hope it gives them great ideas of the importance of convening international conversations to understand the ways that so many of these issues play out differently, but also in many ways similarly in different parts of the world. I hope they learn a whole lot of things about themselves, uh, about their peers and about the opportunities for them to be change makers and thought leaders in the future. We're super excited about the number of events and presentations that are available on the program. Everything from the future of inclusive sport to barriers in healthcare for trans and gender diverse people and to racism in the LGBTQIA plus community. My favourite workshop was definitely um, the workshop on um, trans rights messaging and combating like far right rhetoric. Like it was definitely for me it was the most engaging presentation even just from like the content that I didn't learn just looking at that facilitation style and how they went about delivering that training was extraordinary it was so entertaining and gripping um, but then the messages they were pulling across were really pertinent to a lot of the work I do at the university and how you do message to people who are in opposition who are um, following in sort of anti-gender movement it was now time for Professor Gerber's panel discussion on using international human rights law to help achieve outcomes for our communities. The other two panellists were former Justice of the High Court, Michael Kirby, and Rosanna Flamer-Caldera from Sri Lanka. rights law, the sort of cases that we've talked about, can help achieve reform at the domestic level. And I'm, I'm going to do that. I think having a session on international human rights law at the World Pride Human Rights Conference is really important because Often activists think about lobbying politicians and trying to get uh, legislative reform, or they might think about bringing a claim in a court locally, um, alleging discrimination under our Sex Discrimination or Race Discrimination Act, for example. And so my aim today was to um, broaden their thinking about the possibilities of using international human rights law as a way of obtaining a remedy or, or redress for a human rights wrong. So you throw your boomerang out to the UN human rights system and you get them to, as the theme of today, amplify your arguments and your advocacy. And I think in Australia it's particularly important because we are the only Western country in the world that does not have a Human Rights Act. So um, 
opening up the possibility of taking a complaint to the UN, it can seem a bit intimidating to you know, bring Geneva into, into your little human rights violation, but it actually, we've seen in, you know, time and time again that it does make a difference. And, and what I really enjoyed about the session today was having Rosanna here from Sri Lanka, who was the person who took a complaint to the UN Committee on the Elimination of Discrimination Against Women, CEDAW Committee, and they ruled a year ago that the laws criminalising same-sex sexual intimacy between women in Sri Lanka are a breach of human rights. Sri Lanka is one of, I think, uh, I'm not sure how many countries uh, that criminalises uh, consenting adult same-sex relationships between women. And now the Sri Lankan government has, has announced that they are going to repeal those laws. Just in January, uh, due to uh, pressure from the, uh, U, through the UPR at the Human Rights Commission, uh, the Sri Lanka foreign minister said that Sri Lanka is going to decriminalise homosexuality. So that is a, a perfect example of how we can use international human rights law to bring about change in different countries around the world but will not uh, uh, agree to same-sex marriage. I think that happens one step at a time. You hit them with same-sex marriage somewhere down the road. <laughs> right. Thank you very much. Such a rewarding experience to be able to see Rosanna represented on the world stage. As a Sri Lankan queer person myself, I've never been able to see myself represented. To finally see that was just so joyful and so rewarding. I also got the chance to speak with Professor Gerber after the panel discussion. And um, I welcome the opportunity to, to work with activists in this region on, um, on using that mechanism. So come and see me later if you want a chocolate. <laughs> I wanted to ask Professor Gerber what an individual could do if they wanted to make any changes in the LGBTQI laws in Australia. This, an individual can really make a difference and in fact it's often the only way change happens is by having one person who's prepared to have what Michael Kirby said very well in his speech is having courage, being brave, taking risks, putting yourself out there. And it requires advocates and it requires persistence and it requires courage. So there are many wonderful not-for-profit organisations that are always looking for people with energy, with ideas, with enthusiasm to work towards change. So if uh, banning intersex surgery on uh, banning surgery on intersex infants is, is something that you want to work on, then there's organisations, Intersex Human Rights Australia, that you can get involved with. If you want to work on issues in the Asia-Pacific region, then there's Kaleidoscope Human Rights Foundation that you can join. So I just encourage you, if you've got some, some time and some enthusiasm for um, changing the, uh, the, the rights and the protections for LGBTIQ people, then, then get involved. Over the three days, we all had our favourite events that we attended. All you can really be left with is those impressions and what were the most impactful um, and what those uh, takeaways were. And I think like the biggest thing that has really impacted me this conference is like reframing of key, key ideas. As Jesse was talking about that panel on um, decolonization and colonialism, like that was so impactful to me as someone that I had never thought about those ideas before, had them expressed so succinctly. To then just like reframe some of those understandings, I think is immensely valuable.
So after three days of such thought-provoking presentations, it was finally time for us to wrap up the Human Rights Conference. For me, it's been um, just such an incredible experience all around and like, especially with like kind of like, like working in these spaces and pushing for change in these spaces, it often feels like a very solitary pursuit at times and that can be quite um, isolating, I guess. And then to see that like being in this space and just occupying the space and seeing how many people are working towards the same goals and towards the same ideals um, is just was so incredible for me and I really feel like this is the space that I kind of want to be in. I'm very confident about that now. I think for me, I've always had a passion for human rights advocacy, but I think coming here, it sort of highlighted how deep that passion was for me, um, especially advocating for the queer community. Um, I think what I'll take away from this is obviously there's so much learnings that I've gotten from it and there's so many notes I've taken, but I think the most important thing is the connections that I've made and the network that I've expanded. Um, I've added so many people on LinkedIn, so I'm so excited to go message and say, hey, thank you so much for your contributions um, and see how I can contribute further to this cause. I feel like personally at least it's time to when something isn't working, when the top is just doing something that you're not happy about, to not string someone along by a carrot but simply say that's not good enough, we can do better. The top-down approach doesn't necessarily work because the leaders at the top and the change that they make happens at a pace that they're comfortable with, so sitting in the system that they're in, sort of pace that they're going at already. So the change needs to come from that bottom approach where it's grassroots, where the young leaders are already making change. So my advice to young people would be to take that step, don't be afraid, because you're the change makers of tomorrow. Over the course of history and across the world, there is this rhetoric that um, being a queer person is unnatural. It is something that is uh, akin to an illness. It's pathologised. It is deep, um, it is criminalised. And I think the biggest thing is just what I'd say to you queer young people is from what we can see, it is something that has always been here. It is something that um, is a perfectly comfortable, healthy, natural way of being. It is only the societies and the institutions around us that have made it difficult and unhealthy for us. Um, and that is the biggest message I think I'm taking away from this. And I think it's something that's really important um, for the future generations. And I'm really excited to see as this message becomes normalised, how their lives are going to change um, and be better than the, the generations that came before them. This story was about three individuals travelling up to Sydney for the World Pride Human Rights Conference. However, there were thousands of others with stories that were unique to the journey that they were on. A journey that never stops, and I'm sure with new challenges that will be faced by future generations. But it's about doing what we can now to advocate for this community that we hold so dear. My name is Tanura and I hope you enjoyed travelling with us on this journey. Cars and buses were replaced by a sea of colour today on the Sydney Harbour Bridge. 50,000 people marched across the landmark for equality and human rights. It was a spectacular end to Sydney World Pride, a celebration of hard-won rights and a protest against ongoing prejudice.
The Sydney World Pride Human Rights Conference drew attention to the human rights issues still facing the LGBTIQA community and the pursuit that the world is safe, free and equal for everyone, no matter what their sexual orientation, gender identity and expression may be. Special thanks to our three student delegates, Fanura Adiri, Jesse Lachlan-Jones and Natalie Sist. Thanks also to Professor Paula Gerber, Ian Thorpe and Professor Sharon Pickering. That concludes the final episode of our mid-season special, A Pride Open Road. For more information, please visit lens.monash.edu where we have an interactive website to accompany the episodes. There you'll find all sorts of information about our guests, along with extra footage, infographics and more. We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land we recorded this podcast on, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations and the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present. And if you're enjoying the podcast, don't forget to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and share the show with your friends. We'll be back soon for Season 8 of What Happens Next.